this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Unsympathetic intellects slowly and surely drew their plans against us. It is Foreign Invader with Conrado Falco III. Hello and welcome to Foreign Invader. I am Conrado Falco III and this is the show about the pop culture that is corrupting American life. Every episode we talk about one piece of culture that originated in not the United States of America and talk about its impact on this precious country. In our last two episodes we've talked about real nerdy shit like The Lord of the Rings and One Piece, but today we're finally getting to the cool kid stuff. British pop star Charlie XCX has been described by practically every major music publication as the quote-unquote future of music. She's one of the most exciting pop musicians working today and everyone who loves her has the same question. Why isn't she the biggest pop star in the world? In order to answer that question, I have with me the biggest Charlie XCX fan that I personally know. You might recognize her for playing Bayleaf in the hit web series Wormholes, available on Instagram and YouTube at wormholes.tv. You might also recognize her for being one of the hosts of Pod Queens, a delightful pop culture podcast. You may even recognize her for her poppin' Instagram, Food Porn Friday. I personally recognize her for being my wife. It's such the wait. Welcome to the show. <laughs> so many accolades, who knew? <laughs> People need to know who you are. <laughs> So before we get into Charlie XEX, I like to start by asking the guests where they grew up. Mm. So, <laughs> well, so I grew up in um, Cambria Heights, Queens, as a, a young, young child, and then I moved to Long Island as an older, older child, and then I moved back to Manhattan, and then now I'm back in Queens. So you could say I am a New York gal. You've come full circle back to Queens. I so. Have. For people who might be listening, not in New York or not in America, how would you describe the difference between Queens and New York City and Long Island? Oh, well, Queens Queens from New York City, I actually thought about this the other day, and I'm so glad I have an opportunity to say it. I think out of the boroughs, Queens is like the cookout, and Brooklyn is like the block party, you know what I mean? So there's like, you get a little bit of sense of difference there. Um, and what is Manhattan? And the executive the, yeah, I, I, no, and Manhattan is the rooftop. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. And um, oh, Bronx. I don't know. Bronx is the whole fucking park. Um, no, Bronx is Bronx is like you go to the park and you like have a family reunion in the local park. You just take over the. You park. just take over the park. Um, Staten Island doesn't exist, and um, yeah, but from Long Island, Long Island is just bougie yacht club country club people so oh yeah that's how you would describe your experiencing long island no i would actually describe my experience in long island as the quintessential like american over the tracks type of neighborhood in which one side of the neighborhood is that is very yacht club frou-frou white people and then the other side of the tracks is like spicy's chicken and like the hood you know so okay so you have gone a little bit into what I like to ask everyone, which is, what would you say was the most American thing about your childhood? Would you say it was that? Kind of. 
Yeah, I mean, I did have like there when I watched, you know, all those high school movies and TV shows. I did have like a. I wasn't that city kid who was like, this doesn't match my life at all. Like all of those stereotypes of the jock, the popular girl, mm. all those things, like, um, definitely fueled my my high school and middle school years. So can you can you clear this up for a South American? Because oh our I remember when I was in high school and they obviously on TV they showed all these American high school TV shows like, you know, Glee or like Mean Girls, you know, movies. And I remember someone who came from the US or something and and they were t- telling us like no, you don't understand. Literally, that is how high school is like. People are in like these cliques and they're divided into these groups. And I was a little bit like, I couldn't believe it. Like, oh, so they didn't just make this up for TV. <laughs> That's actually people do behave this way. It's true. It's true. It is um, It very much uh, people are segregated <laughs> in Long Island still to this day in high school. I mean, things cha- there's a little bit more fluidity. Like there are people who move throughout the crowds at least they did in my high school but Mm -hmm. um it is very much you find because a lot of the times the schools are so large you find your people and that's your people you know what I mean I feel like especially the schools in the city sometimes they're not that big your class size is pretty small so like you just have to know everybody um Hmm. I feel like that and that was me in like my catholic schools for sure it's like you have you know 50 people max in a grade so like there's no real getting away from people but when you're graduating with 200 plus like you you know there's little clusters that yeah, form exactly um what would you say were the the cliques and the clusters you were in the cliques and clusters i was the theater kid that was for sure i was the theater and art kid like my superlative was most likely to win an academy award thank you very much mm-hmm. bhs um but yeah <laughs> so <laughs> Do you think there is a fundamentally different spirit to Long Island than New York City? Yeah. <laughs> in in terms of like uh, like like souls of the people or like the kind like or the like the energy of the place itself or like the energy of the people. Um P- probably both. We could but. get a little bit into both, but I mean this show is a little bit tongue in cheek in wanting to like stereotype everyone like mm-hmm. by their nationality and where they come oh, from sure. and things like that, you know? Like mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, something that is not from America, and we're gonna say like, is there anything inherently British to Charlie XCX? <laughs> is there something you know that inherently American that is keeping her from connecting? You know things like that. So mm. we, I feel like we have a stereotype of of New York spirit, uh-huh. New York life, right? What would you say that is? Just so that see we're in the same page. Right. Well, I think it's this idea of someone who's fast paced, someone who's like kind of in you know, and like almost in charge of their journey in life, even though like the city will throw, they, everybody says they're in like a a terrible relationship with New York City. Like it's rough, it's hard, it like kind of beats you up, but you like fall in love with it even more and it like Mm -hmm. makes you a stronger person to be here, you know? It's it's an idea of resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Or like toughing it out because like at the end of the day is the best city in In the the world or whatever. So you just got to... You gotta be tough to be gotta, in New York City. If you don't live in New York City, then you are not tough. You if know, you, like, if you can't hang in New York, like yeah, sorry, if you had folks. to move back home, then you're like a weakling. Exactly. Um, I get it. <laughs> so what's is what's Long Island then? Well, Long Island is the home that you move back to, right? Long Island is like, oh, I got my money now. I like have my little house on Long Island. I like have my you know 
2.5 kids, white picket fence, like golden retriever, you know, like everything is chill. Like my kids like grew up in a cul-de-sac. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's like the, that's the vibe of it. And, and, you know, and then beach town, right? Like you get that too. Like if you're thinking about like the Hamptons and all that other stuff. So, so what, what do you, would you even call that spirit? Like an American dream adjacent? Yeah, absolutely. Like Americana, you know what I mean? Like very much, very that. But there's also like, the stereotype of like the women of Long Island. You oh, know? the women. You know, the, oh, Deborah. And yeah. Okay. Shout yeah. out actually to Deborah because I do love you, Deborah. She's the second mom. Um. <laughs> but there is this thing, right? And I guess there's a little bit of that in New Jersey as well. Mm-hmm. But people crap on New Jersey and trash New Jersey more often than they do Long Island. Right. Well, because I think the the Long Island mom is like your quintessential soccer mom, right? Mm-hmm. She's like she's like making sure she's got you know three boys one girl and she's taking the girl to ballet and all three boys are going to soccer and they you know one of them plays the saxophone the other just quit the violin but she really wants to do gymnastics you know what i mean like it's (laughs) it's all of that and that's what she's like dealing with so she has no time she's like chelsea sit in the back seat put on your ballet shoes and we're going you know that's very accurate i think that soccer mom seems to be very much the spirit of long island as Mm -hmm. far as i have experienced it which is very limited anything else you want to say about this before we get into it (laughs) <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, I I would say that I think if right, if we're going to be comparing like why it is I don't I, don't, I to be honest, I I feel like Charlie would be ripe. So I I am curious to find what we dig out in our conversation about why she's not sticking with the American folks. Okay, so let's get into it then. When did you first encounter Charlie XEX? Am I right to assume that the love wasn't instantaneous yeah it was she she um i unfortunately didn't like really know her as an a uh, single artist at first i heard her featured on you know icona pop on uh fancy those were the first times that um i heard her and then like i was like oh that's cool like she's got a cool sound but she's just like kind of featuring on stuff and actually i didn't realize that she sang boom clap so i like didn't even put two and two together you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so it took like a few years after that probably like 2017 ish i think around when num yeah like number one angel mm-hmm. came out um and that's when i was like oh who is this and i like listened to number one angel and i was like whoa mm-hmm. whoa 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 I think I had a very similar experience and I would venture to say that most people who even know who she is would also probably identify her from that period around 2013, 14, when she was the featured artist in this big hits, right? Mm -hmm. Fancy with Iggy Azalea is probably the best example, the most popular one, I would say. Um, the one that people will still remember right the now. The people that people will still remember right now, yeah, because that was really big. And Iggy Azalea was kind of the, the main artist of that, so, like, you know, it wasn't as known that Charlie was on that track, that she sang the chorus that everybody knew, right? And the same with that other song, I Love It, mm-hmm. by Icona Pop, and, of course, Boom Clap, right. uh, which was by herself, but also... She feels, outside. if she didn't have those collaborations, she would almost feel like a one-hit wonder to me, at least in America, in terms of popularity. Right. I think I'm going to play, at this point, the video of her singing I Love It. Have you seen it when she's in Germany singing I Love It 
and uh, she wants to rile the crowd up and they just are not having it. No. And she's really getting upset. Okay, so how are we going to go about this? I'm going to describe the video because I'm going to play a little bit of it for the listeners, but they won't have the full context. I will link to it in the show notes. But the idea is Charlie XCX is in this big concert in Germany. I Love It was a huge song at that time. And she's singing it and she's trying to get the people to really get into it and dance and, and go crazy. And they're not, they're not. They're just not having it. The Germans are being their reserved selves. Oh, God. And uh, Charlie's just going like, don't you fucking love this song? Like, fucking <laughs> dance. So, oh, Charlie. Um, I'm going to play the video for you right now. And I'm going to put a clip for the listeners. And we'll be right back to talk more. Okay, so we're back from seeing the video, and um, <laughs> what did you what did you see? <laughs> I see my favorite human ever. I see the reason that if I ever have children, her first name will be or their first name will be Charlie. Like I. <laughs> so I feel like that I love it video performance is kind of emblematic of the big narrative around Charlie XCX <laughs> that she somehow. It's not properly appreciated by the masses because the people are into the song and the crowd in the video, but they're not really super into it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? She wants them to be more into it. She wants them to be more excited. And I feel like that's how Charlie XCX fans feel about her. And the world at large is kind of like, meh, I don't know. I get, yeah, it's just a wild... It's so wild. Do you have any theories as to why that might be? Uh, why she's not as popular as um, she should be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I do I do think it comes down right to kind of what she talks about is that she tries right to be this super famous like commercial pop star when she first um, when she like comes to LA for the first time she's doing boom clap and all that other stuff and it just isn't the music that like she wants to make right and so the music I think that she does want to make which is what we're hearing now is just unfortunately like i don't know i like the dumb white people just don't, don't get into it as hard as like they will go for something that feels super commercial in the sense of like you know really hooky chorus verse chorus you know what i mean where it like has a very specific song structure and song sound right the kind of sounds that she's using in her music are like pushing the boundaries i feel like um, I mean, we had like a similar reaction to T-Pain when T-Pain uses auto-tune, right? It's the same thing on her voice. She uses auto-tune a lot. The idea of people not feeling like her voice is like a good voice. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you think it might be the voice? Because she also writes a lot of hits for yeah, other absolutely. people. So she, I, she knows how to write a hit What were song. some of the ones that you were, we were mentioning the other day you were telling me? She, she like wrote Senorita for... For, yeah, Camila yeah. Cabello and what's his name? Uh, Shawn, Shawn, Shawn Mendes. Mendes. Yeah. I was going to say Troy Sivan. Yeah, and she's written for, oh. like, Selena Gomez, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like... So, okay, but it can't be just her voice, because Selena Gomez, like, love her, but 
she's not that good of a singer. So no, there's something else going on. But but what I'm ta- but I'm, what I'm talking about the autotune, and she talks about this too. The idea of like people not feeling like when you use heavy like um, distortions on the vocals, people feeling like oh you can't sing or like oh this person's mm-hmm. not like actually musically talented because they're just like relying on auto tune or all of these quote unquote like synthetic sounds. You know what I mean? Um, and so yeah. I feel like we are, or most Americans or whatever, like love a good belter. You know what I mean? Someone who's just gonna like, and you know what I mean? <laughs> like someone who I don't appreciate very much in the music world. Psst, Ariana Grande. But who will just like give you crazy behind like riffs in a song or you know what I mean? Like, and it's um. gonna sound supernatural. And I think that her music doesn't always sound so quote-unquote natural, but that's what I love about it. In my, you know what I mean? Like, okay, well, right. Because I think that most Charlie XCX fans will agree that the album cuts tend mm-hmm. to be, I don't want to say more exciting necessarily, but more emblematic of what sh- we love about her music, right? Right. And um, that's when she really goes wild. But then she also tries to make... Uh, singles that appeal to more people, but those don't really get quite that far, right? Kind of. Well, I feel like a lot of her singles, especially recently, are all singles with other artists. And I think something that she does really well um, is that she allows the other artists that she's featuring in her songs to like also make the music that they want to make, right? So she's not forcing Mm -hmm. Lizzo to make a Charlie song. You know what I mean? That like it still has to sound a little bit like Lizzo, right? Troye Sivan, it still has to sound a little bit like Troy. Like, it can't just be a full-on Charlie song. Like, it, mm-hmm. she's really allowing the, her collaborators to, like... That's interesting. So, you... so Because I was thinking that that might be a thing of, like, she wants to take these people and... Not to take these people. That sounds very aggressive. But I'm thinking, <laughs> like, like, she's collaborating with these people who have a following and she wants to, you know, she's taking these songs to be singles... And she wants to appeal to more people than just her album with with those songs. So she might want to try out something more commercial, something more palatable. And and going off the fact that she's having these artists collaborate with her. But what you're saying is that it might be a thing that she just vibes with those people want to do. So she just goes into that direction for those particular songs. Yeah, I mean, when she talks about writing music, it's all kind of like you know, spontaneous and in the moment and with the people and, like, she's not sitting down... Or she said that every time she tries to, like, sit down and just, like, write a song that's supposed to sound like whatever, like this or that, that it doesn't work out for her. So for her, it's about, like, she just goes and she writes and they record it and, like, boom, like, it's there. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, for songs that she's collaborating with people, it is really about creating that song together and not trying to think about, like, oh, my gosh, like, what is the the crazy metaphor behind this or like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just like we're just gonna make music together and so it sounds like two people making music together that's fair that's fair at the same time i do think that if if you are a person who is only exposed to her singles and her big uh promotional tracks you might not know what she actually does in in the rest of her songs and what so many people who are into her really love about her music. Mm-hmm. So since you brought up Lizzo, I think it's a great example for the people listening. She had a song in mm-hmm. the album 
pop two. Yeah. Which was called track 10. Yes. And then in the next album, she reworked that song with Lizzo. Right? No. no. So actually, apparently, the version of Blame It On Your Love that is... I mean, there's different versions of it, but the the original is actually the Lizzo. Like, that sound is actually the Lizzo. She guess, she's she played she had that song for a while, she played around with it, and then she adds Lizzo on with her, And but that's technically the original. Track 10 is actually a reworking of uh, Blame It On Your Love. Okay, but track 10 was released first on that album, and then in the next album, yes. Charlie, she had a, the version of the song that's called Blame It On Your Love with right. Lizzo featured in it. Yes. yes. So... What I'm going to do now is I'm going to play Blame It On Your Love mm -hmm. for the listeners so that they can... They might have heard it before. I I'm guess sure. there was a little bit of a push for it. And then I'm going to play track 10 to see the difference between when... What I would say is like more palatable Charlie and like when she goes into her own fucking dimension. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which is what we love. So many things I shouldn't do. Okay, so we just listened to the two songs in a row. First impressions. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely track 10. When I found out that like track 10 was technically actually written after, um, I was like, oh, it makes sense. It, it sounds to me like what I think Charlie sometimes does really well is like, She has something and then she's building upon it. She's playing upon it, mm -hmm. right? She's not someone who's afraid of remixes. She's not, you know what yeah. I mean? It is the same song. Yeah, it's just absolutely. remixed and rearranged. And rearranged. And it like, you know, it has like funky different like breakdowns throughout the song, right? This mm -hmm. song like starts off pretty like soft and ethereal and then, you know, It's not gross. a single. It's, right. You, you would never release that as a single, I don't think. Mm -mm. Um, it's just... It's long and it has different sections and, mm -hmm. it, you know, it spends so much time just like doing the breakdown and changing. Our friend, Abby, who's been in the show and our friend Alex and I think some other people, but I don't know who, 
has this Spotify playlist of the last track, the best oh, last tracks track. in albums that make you go, fuck, that album was good. And this should definitely be oh, on absolutely. that playlist if it isn't already. Yeah. Because... So should lip gloss, but you know. Sure. But, but I feel like this is so great because it's just like, it's five minutes long, mm -hmm. almost six minutes long, and it just keeps building and building and building very slowly. Yeah. And it's totally, you can hear all the electronic sounds that she's using, the distortions. And I would say that is the kind of sound that we love from Charlie XCX. It's the experimenting, right? It's like allowing music, allowing that song to kind of like, move you know what I mean especially like you hear it a lot I think in the Charlie album specifically is that like they, a song doesn't necessarily stay where it was it like evolves and it becomes something like more than where it was when it first started and I think that level of experimenting with music is like what makes her so unique is know? that what you think makes it feel more like a Charlie XCX song than, than the other than Blame It On Your Love which I think it's a fun song yeah, I like it a lot but This feels more like Charlie XCX to me. Well, also, we have to remember that Charlie's thinking about multiple things, right? There's two things, there's multiple things happening. When Charlie's writing a song, she's thinking about like the album or like her mixtape, whatever you want to call it. And then also like club play possibility because she loves the club, right? She, she talks about like wanting to make music that is the music that she would want to dance to when she goes out partying. So I think Blame It On Your Love with Lizzo is that. It's mm -hmm. like, you, you're not going to listen to track 10 when you go to the club. You know Although I, mean? I would be down to like get high at the club and <laughs> on something and then maybe just yeah, vibe yeah, 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 to yeah, track yeah. 10. Maybe you're like on ecstasy or whatever and you're vibing <laughs> to track 10. But like, um, <laughs> but definitely Blame It On Your Love, it's like, oh, I've had like some champagne, I've had some tequila shots, and you're like, oh, like I'm just going to dance and then Lizzo comes in and you know what I mean? just mm -hmm. is doing what Lizzo does best um is there anything to the idea this just it's just something that just occurred to me a theory I don't even know if I fully believe it but to the fact that you can sense that it's not her most passionate kind of music when you hear those songs compared to the other stuff I uh, yeah I mean I think and and kind of that's why it's not hitting Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that it's not the most passionate, but I could, I can, it does, it, I could definitely tell, I feel like when you, you hear a Charlie song, you're like, oh, you just had such a good time recording this, right? Like you had like, and she talks about, because she talks about Blame It On Your Love specifically as something that like was kind of hard, right? Like it didn't feel right, she says, until Lizzo was on it. Mm. So like something that like she was working with and it didn't feel quite right yet. And then she got Lizzo and she's like, okay, this is like, This is where this song that I'm writing can can live. Mm -hmm. um, and so... That's a great way to spin it. And to, she's a great collaborator. Because yeah. like she's always ready to take on what you were saying before. Like bring Lizzo in and then suddenly the song... Even though Lizzo is really only in one verse, mm -hmm. it gets infused with the Lizzo energy. Exactly. Right? And, and the same way that she just goes to... the You know, when she went to Icona Pop or Iggy Azalea and she just brought everything that she had to give. Yeah, but let's not talk too much about why is she not hitting, you know? Like, yeah, that's no. not like the... At the end of the day, we both think that her music is great. Yeah. And that's what matters more so than, like, whether or not she's big in America or not. So let's talk about the music itself for a little bit and what we love so much about it. Love it. Um, There seems to be a consensus that around 2016, when she released the EP Vroom Vroom, Vroom. 
<laughs> is the moment when Charlie decided to move away from mainstream pop and try to do her own thing. Yeah. And she's, she describes it that way, too. Yeah, she's like, I'm not worried. You know what I mean? She's not as worried about trying to be what she says all the time. Britney Spears, she's like trying to be Charlie. And in 2016 is also when A.G. Cook, who is the founder of the music collective PC Music, signed on to become her creative director. And the album that came out of that, um, PC Music is like this British collective that does um, a lot of, how would you describe it? It's like very poppy, but also kind of tech. Yeah, electronic sounding. Electronic yeah. sounding music that has a lot of bleeps and bloops. and, and <laughs> Bleeps and, and bloops. And it has like these You're like... You're pulling a Jesse J. Uh, bloop. Is that a well, you know what I'm saying. Like, it sounds a lot like track 10. It, like, has yeah, 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 all those, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, distortions. Yeah, exactly. And, like, for sure, for sure. It's on like, the same wavelength as... But it's yeah. also super, super poppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> the album that came out of that was Number One Angel from 2017. And that's the moment when I started to pay attention. And I think you right. said that that's the moment for you, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's the album that I made you listen to because I found it. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, maybe. I thought that it was the other way around. No, no, like, no, 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 Mama. Okay, I made you listen. To, I made my coworkers listen to it on a road trip to New Hampshire. I made everybody listen to it. I don't doubt that album. you did all of that, but I got to it through uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And then it was like something that felt uh, kind of in that realm, mm-hmm. but took it even further. Like, right, what right, would you right. say is the? Um, what would you say about that? Like, what c- captured you at that moment? About number one angel? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, I just think already it was like, oh, I'm not hearing music that really sounds like this. That's like building. It's got a little, it's definitely pop. It's, I don't, I don't know if I want to say there's some R&B, but there's some like, you know, like a there's a little hip hop in, in there. Um, and I was like, oh, there's like, I could just like hear the way these sounds were kind of melding together to become music that wasn't just one or the other, right? It wasn't just, it didn't sound like um, disingenuine, maybe? It sound you know what I mean? The music mm-hmm. itself just sounds so cool. And specifically when I heard Lip Gloss, which was my introduction to Cupcake, I was like, okay, this queen is like, I don't need to rap because I'm just going to let Cupcake do like just run and go wild. And I'm going to sit here talking about my lip gloss, also known as my pussy. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Um, <laughs> right. So I love Carly Rae Jepsen. And back then, especially, I was super into the emotion album. Yes. Right, and right. what I loved about that was that it had this like very pop very uh girlish for lack of a better world mm-hmm. dreamy bouncy kind yeah. of you know feel to it that didn't feel like it had to be uh dark or serious or anything like that that it could just be itself mm-hmm. and still be emotional while being you know poppy yeah and i what i saw in number one angel was something similar but in a different direction right i think it's just the idea of like oh you think that these pop sounds can't go hard. Let me t- yeah, let me show exactly. you like how like an, it can sound like a Carly Rae Jepsen thing, but it's not gonna be soft. It's no. gonna be you're gonna fucking you're just gonna fucking bang when you hear this when you hear this music. right because yeah. I'm gonna give it to you it's, undistilled like yeah. you know it's like a hundred proof and it's gonna go straight to your veins. Yeah, it's it's so delicious. One of the words that is always used to describe Charlie's music is 
futuristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's always praised for making the music of the future. I think she has embraced this persona a little bit, you know, because she titled one of her albums Pop 2, mm-hmm. literally the sequel to pop music, right, is the idea of the Definitely. Album. It's also, well, it's also because um, that title is also because she was hoping to do a three mixtapes. So there's um, is there number pop one, one. No, well, there's oh, number, number one, one Angel, Angel, Pop 2, two. and then she was thinking about making a third mixtape because technically those two are mixtapes, not albums okay um but then she ended up making the charlie album instead but i like that i like that interpretation of it better (laughs) i mean that's what i thought it was well remember do you remember i think we were in our kitchen when we i heard when i was listening to pop 2 for the first time and i was like backseat i was like is this a like a reference to like Backstreet Boys? And I was like, Lucky, is that a reference to um uh, Britney, Spears. Britney Spears? And I remember being like, Oh my god, is she talking about like right, exactly like making the sequels, the sequels to, all these, to these songs? Um Maybe. I mean she, Britney Spears is a huge influence on her. Yes, she talks exactly. about her all the time. Exactly. But anyway, I don't feel super comfortable with the description of futuristic because you know, how do you feel about this futuristic thing? Well, right, I feel like it's it's the word that we have for now to, I think, say, um, to describe music or anything in our culture that doesn't feel like it's commercial. We call it futuristic. You know what I mean? And I feel like mm. that's kind of what it's signifying, right? Like they're doing something with music that not everybody is doing. So it's futuristic. Okay. I have two thoughts. One, interesting to use something like to describe something uncommercial when we're talking about pop music. Right. Number two... I feel like what irks me a little bit about it is this implication that if since it's futuristic, it's not for now. Right. She will not. It's almost like you're already presupposing that she won't be successful now. Right. But in the future, we will look back and see like, oh, she was doing this before everyone else was doing it instead of appreciating it now. Right. I found this article Uh by Shot Zusa. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Shot. In Paper Magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about this idea of why she's being called futuristic all the time and and the author's uh, problems with that. So I'm going to quote. Describing synth pop as futuristic has been a hallmark of the genre since its inception. Computer music has always tended to confound critics. To me, though, there's something jarring about classing the current wave of Charlie adjacent pop as futurist in large part because it sounds so much like the crushing industrial present. It absorbs the clamor of our current moment, the clatter of factories, the constant buzz of gentrification, inducing construction, the crush of landfill, and warps it. Perhaps PC music copped the futuristic tag because it actually did sound futuristic, or maybe the alternative was just a little too upsetting to comprehend, that this music born in the same era as sanitized steel condominium towers and smartphone-induced disconnection, was actually an all-too-real reflection of our current state. Each era gets the pop aesthetic it deserves. Excessive grandeur in the accelerationist 80s, corporatized rebellion in the 90s, and so on. So it's fitting that the late 2010s and early 2020s gets a sound nihilistically Mm. steeped in the worst byproducts of disaster capitalism isolation and discontent incessant noise the gradual dehumanization and degradation of voices of authority wow pretty good that's that's really good i I, I like that thank you shad yeah so 
What do you say about that? No, I'm 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 super into that. Yeah, I think that that's. I definitely didn't think of it that way, but like, absolutely, right? Like, yeah, it, I, I can't say it any better than Sean, but yeah, the idea that like this this is the sound of now and of everything that's going on. You know what I mean? It is the musical um, representation of exactly that of all of this fucking noise, right? And that it's that's what. You know what I mean? I feel like people can say that about some of Charlie's music, right? There's just so many, there's so many sounds, right? And just like, there's just so much onslaught of consumerism or whatever it is you want to call it for right now. Like, it absolutely, I think, fits. What I really love about it is that it got at something that I think I had been rattling in the back of my head, but I couldn't quite place it Mm -hmm. which is that i listened to that music and going back to what i was saying about carly ray comparing her to charlie that i i listened to it and i felt like there was something that it it just didn't feel just like just pop quote unquote even though i love pop and i don't think it should ever be just called just pop but i think i felt like there was something else there like it made me feel like it was prescient it was relevant and there was something very urgent about that kind of music yeah um, and I think it's that. I think yeah. it does feel like this time of like crushing technology yeah, and absolutely. like you know alienation and et cetera, et cetera. Right? This this idea that's been going around and Janelle Monet does this as well of like looking at the future like androids and like humans mm-hmm. becoming more like machines, more like computers, you know, and their music become being made by computers now. Exactly as a reflection of yeah. And not hiding that at all. No. Making it clear, transparent that this music was made by a computer. Right. And is it for humans or is it for computers? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yo, I do love the idea of my Mac being like, yeah, this is the shit right here. <laughs> no, but it's true. I, but, but also, right, well, that idea also that, like, what does it mean to be... Oh God! And that I swear to God, I haven't smoked weed, y'all. But like, what is it to even to even the difference between human and computer? Like, how close are we? You know what I mean. The more and more we right, we delve into our present and continue into the future. The more and more we find ourselves intertwined with technology. And what does that mean then? Mm-hmm. To what is you know what does it mean to have the line between human and computer? Like, what is it? Yeah. I think it's also interesting with that in mind that that the songs are still mostly uh, love songs or they are very emotional songs. They're all about emotion. They're all like, you know, um, let's talk about Blame It On Your Love and uh, the other one, track 10. um, You know, it's about someone who's in a relationship where like she feels like she keeps fucking it up, but she keeps coming back, right? And Mm -hmm. it's very... And somehow she's like, put that put the pain of whatever that is on that other person at the same time, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's great. It's very emotional. Yeah, and it's, it's very, really human. And it's very human, yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's presented in this very computerized way, in the way that all our interactions, our emotional interactions and our relationships are mitigated through these things. Right. We meet people, well, not us, because we're married. <laughs> but, um, if you if we were to like separate now yes. and we wanted to date again, we would have to go on like Tinder or something to find someone. Right, yeah. We would have to like every relationship has to think so much about texting. Absolutely. And so much about DMing and so much about like how long should I text? 
when, and so much of the the emotional parts of the relationship you're not even seeing the other person you're just seeing the text that they send you in the phone exactly so it's totally been uh everything yeah all of everything your, has you know emotion your love all your of love your... is mitigated through screens and through computers yeah, yeah, yeah so computers are not the cold scientific thing that no, we thought they were you, they're bringing they're the you most the emotional exactly. thing there is exactly her was on to something <laughs> <laughs> the Joaquin Phoenix yeah. movie <laughs> um so like I said before almost everyone I know who loves Charlie XCX talks about her as being underrated mm -hmm. she's always an artist who hasn't been given her due according to these people and according to myself so how would you How could we talk now, tell the people who might be on the fence, who maybe mm -hmm. haven't listened to it, what do we love so much about it? What is so great about her? We've said a bunch of stuff, right. but, you know, like if you had to take a stand and give you a closing <laughs> argument for Charlie XCX. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. It's oh, not man. the last thing we'll say about her, so, like, don't feel too much pressure. I'm, I feel all of the pressure. Um, no, no, I mean, I just, I just urge people to listen to her like and to actually listen i think there's something that happens at least to me when i put on her music and i'm like in my room or in the living room or whatever it is and it's just like me even if it's like my headphones because i'm not trying to disturb everybody else but like the way in which she is kind of what we're saying melding these sounds to communicate All, yeah, just like the heart of herself. She's using like these computer beats and her voice that she like strains and manipulates all to create this. I think it's a symphony. I'm gonna say she's the Beethoven of our time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Truly, I'm right. like, I'm like, I'm just gonna say, I just think that she's a musical genius. Like, just there's just no one, I think, that can make what she makes. And she's said it before, and I don't think that she's lying. There, like, there are just songs that she creates that no one else can, and no one else will because they're not Charlie. But they speak to, like, the very soul of my existence. Very well said. Um, before we wrap it up, actually, I thought that we would, maybe we will say what is our favorite Charlie XCX song at the moment. Can't do it. <laughs> Just pick one. I can't. Just pick one that you love. And then we'll listen to it and we will put a little clip for the listeners and then we can say a little bit about each of them. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, please. All right. <laughs> Driving around in Hollywood, I could only think about you. So that was the song Thoughts from what album is that on? Charlie. Charlie. From the album Charlie. And there's a couple of reasons why I love it so much. Um, I think that it is. Um, so there's this music term and I hope I'm using it correct. 
uh, coloratura, which means that the music reflects the content of, in its form, reflects the content of the lyrics, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. Like the example that they gave me and that I always use, <laughs> because they might not be understanding this music term at all, is that, you know, like in uh, Beyonce's song with Nicki Minaj, it says world stop mm-hmm. and the music world stops. Stop. And then Carry on. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the the fact that all the music stops when she says stop, that's coloratura. Well, you know who else does that? A lot of people do that with stop. <laughs> I know, but Charlie in Gone, which maybe is going to be my song too. Okay, so don't give it away. Okay. But what I want to say about this song is that I feel like it reflects exactly what I think she's talking about. I mm-hmm. picture her in the car mm-hmm. after something has happened at the party mm-hmm. or whatever, and she is probably high <laughs> and um she's just thinking all these things over in her head and so this kind of siren wailing sound in the background mm-hmm. to me sounds like a siren of a car police car or a mm. fire truck or something that's been like slowed down right because of the drugs and so she's like slow down it's also the alarm in her head mm-hmm. going off of like fuck i did something that i shouldn't have done and now she's thinking over all this stuff and uh it also gives me that kind of like womb womb of like being drunk or high mm-hmm. and that womb womb of like driving at the end of the night through the dark streets with the street lights and and it, it it just it's completely evocative for me i love it it's yeah no 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 it's a great song i think it, you described it really well of it telling yeah telling the story of what it feels like to listen to that song i think next level charlie does a similar thing too so what song do you want to listen to? I don't know. I want to listen to so many. I think, okay. <laughs> so I think my issue right now is actually, so the song that I want to listen to uh, from Charlie right now is actually not indicative of like all of her songs. It's actually something that like breaks from what she normally does. That's that's great. That's Maybe that would be great. Let's, let's listen to it and see. Okay, official. Okay, so we just listened to Official from mm-hmm. Charlie mm-hmm. also. Um, a lot of coloratura. In this, <laughs> this is my new favorite word. But, um, you know, like when she's talking about... First of all, that little... Uh, yeah, the pulsing kind of keyboard um, feels like a heartbeat. Yeah. She's talking about things that are very emotional, obviously. And then there's this part, the first time the music stops is when she says the, the things when you say the things but don't listen what is this line 
Um, but, uh, I remember our first date in chocolate and OBK, but the way that you kissed me, these are the things that can make us official. No, no, no. no? But, but the first time she, the music, that's what happens later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first time the music drops, it's a different lyric. That is something like, these are the things that you don't want to listen or oh, something like things that. that you, things that you, you do say, say when but, you don't, or things that I say when you don't want to listen. When you don't want to listen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Things that I say when you, you don't, don't want to listen. listen. So that, I think that the music drops mm-hmm. because these are... It's important that you listen to that thing part. She's talking about him listening to the things she wants to say. So everything goes away so that he actually listens to that. And then later the music drops again for these are the things that could make, make us, us official. official. Yeah. So the things that can make us official are the things he doesn't want to listen to. And the music keeps dropping at that part so that he will listen to that. <laughs> and then every time the music drops, it comes back again with a new instrument mm-hmm. added. Yeah. Um, little chimes and then it's like a little bit of like distortion or like on the kick drum I think so these things are piling up and the dude's not listening <laughs> well, you know I, and well, the dude doesn't want to make them official I well I don't know I think we have two different interpretations of that but um, I think the listening is important but I, I think it's also she's talking about all the things that they do that's you know what I mean that's these are the things that can make us official she talks about all of them the but, way he, that, but he clearly doesn't want to be official. He's wishy washy about it, right? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't. I don't take. I don't take that um, okay. stance of the song. I don't think. I just think. I think if anything, it's. It, it seems. I don't know. I don't know if it's him. I think it's. I think it's maybe both of them. I think it's both of them like being afraid, and so I think it's also to herself to like. Right, there's those moments where you're like, you don't listen or whatever, that don't feel perfect, right? Maybe there's no chocolate, maybe there's no bouquet, but the way that you kiss me, these are the things that can make us official. You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's on both of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an alternate interpretation. And it could it could still work in the sense, with my theory. I mean, it works <laughs> on itself, but I think I could make, adopt it in the sense that then the first drop with mm-hmm. things I say that you don't want to listen is mm-hmm. kind of her saying that, um, the, the official being official means mm-hmm. not just chocolate bouquet. It means but, like fights and discussions. Yeah, all and, of the you know, things that you you always forget. She says later, all right. of the things that are gone in my head, all yeah. the imperfections and yeah. all that's part of what being, being in a relationship is. Right. I can buy that read. Yeah. Um. So you feel like this is not super representative of what we've been talking with. Well, Charlie? well, I think it is in the sense that um. I think it's her, right, like, making a song that's honest to herself and that's honest to what she's feeling. So in that, I feel it's truthful, right? And, like, mm-hmm. that's when Charlie works her magic is when she's just kind of, like, listening to herself, right? Um, I think it's different in the fact that it's a very, it's super intimate. It's pretty paired. Like, there's obviously a lot, there's still lots of sounds, but they're so pared down that her voice is the thing that, like, shines through the most. There's not mm-hmm. as much auto-tune on it as you you find in some of her other songs you know what i mean like okay so let's listen to something that goes really hard to to like close things off um should we do we have two options then i think you either listen to i got it from pop 2 or you listen to click but what albums click in charlie as well so let's listen to something not from charlie since we've listened to so many okay 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 listen to what 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 did you say i got it i got it I'm here. 
chance to hold on to I get existential and so strange I hear no sounds when I'm shouting I just wanna go to parties Up high, wanna feel the heat from all the bodies So we're back, and actually, what we decided to do is to listen to a completely different song. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think I got it is great, and I, uh, I also it, there's so many good songs, so I um, then we Coco started listening to everything. Well, we we kept listening to songs, trying to figure out which one is the one where she goes the hardest. She goes hard in so many. In so many, but we landed on uh, anthems from the latest uh, album, which How is I'm called How I'm Feeling Now. Which came out last year. Yeah, 2020. In May? In the summer. So in the midst of all of this quarantine. Which I think also, like, this whole album, just talking about Charlie, like, going through her own feelings and, like, really putting out music that just feels like her is exactly mm-hmm. what this album. And it's almost all her. I don't think there's any features on the album. I don't think so either. Um, so it's all her and AG kind of just, like... Going hard. Going hard. And Anthems, I think, um, is great. And she shouts out New York in Anthems. So, you know, so it's all full circle, really. Yeah. So that <laughs> all of that explains the chaotic mm-hmm. nature of the song and yeah. the total kind of like wildness of it. Right. She, she, I think like her, first, one of her first lines, I like, is her first line is, I'm so bored. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It does feel like someone who's been in quarantine for a while and just doesn't know what to do anymore. And, the, and, and then it just like drops restless. and it's like, whoop. And yeah. she's just like going crazy because she just doesn't know what to do anymore. It's yeah. a perfect. Uh-huh. I think, I think that what we have, uh, what I've come away with from this episode is just that she is an absolute master of embodying what the music is about Mm -hmm. beyond the lyrics absolutely right like the music itself really feels like what she's feeling so she's very emotional through the sounds and not just through the lyrics or the way that she sings in a natural way right like she's willing to distort her voice in order to make a point of like you know, expressing something that she might not be able to express with her voice alone. Right, exactly. I mean, she actually, I feel like people say this all the time, like, oh, well, your voice is an instrument. And she uses the instrument of her voice to, like, really push and tell, like you said, exactly the story that she wants to tell. She's not just going to sound pretty because it's, you know, it's pretty. If she's going to sound pretty, it's because it makes sense for the song. And if she's going to, like, have a note that almost breaks and cracks is because... It makes sense, you know? And she uses all the instruments to the extreme. Like, Absolutely. it's not, it's just about my voice mm-hmm. and my singing talent. It's about using every tool at your disposal to convey what you need to convey. In the song, yeah. In the song, yeah. Absolutely. She's a fucking genius. Fucking genius. So, do you want to tell the listeners about your stuff, where they can find you? Oh, sure, sure. Hi, listeners. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at itsajda. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I used to be Killer Hottie XX. So Charlie, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but uh, you could also, but to get, I do have an X in one of my Instagrams, which is my food porn Instagram, which is food porn Friday, but the O in porn is an X. So there you go. Yeah. So there's plenty of stuff that people can check out if they want to hear and see more of you. Food mm-hmm. porn Friday is great. Do you post delicious food that I sometimes get to eat? So I'm <laughs> very excited about that. Um, and then you have Pod Queens yes. with Hi, former guests of the show, Kamal and with Jelani, future guests of the show, future, Jelani, yeah, I'm exactly. going to say right now, in which you talk about pop culture. Yeah. Like what's going on in the times, our, our pop culture from our childhood, our pop culture of now. Mm-hmm. You have um, great guests and you have great conversations. Yes. Recently, you've talked about porn yeah triple x there we go here we go about drag race and about drag race um yeah we had a whole 90s moment uh a while back where it's a three-parter um yeah it's definitely a great stop for anyone who enjoyed this charlie xcx talk there's gonna be i think more pop music talk coming to the The, show soon for sure for the grant whenever the grammys actually (laughs) you know what i mean if they decide to keep pushing them back we'll def have talks about that so yeah and um what else? Well, there's Wormholes. You are in Wormholes, which Please, is a web series that we did together with Gamal. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a sci-fi comedy about sad millennials living with a wormhole in their apartment. Yeah. And wacky things happen. So links to all this stuff will be in the description. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving me. <laughs> the whole world's thing. the cranberry sauce. <laughs> See y'all next time. Bye. Charlie, baby. One, two, three, four. And that's our show. Thanks again to Sajda for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us find more listeners. But more importantly, why don't you tell someone about it? Do you know someone who's really into pop music and would love to hear us talk about Charlie XEX? Let them know this podcast exists! After all, word of mouth is the best way to support an independent creative endeavor such as this one. Thanks again for listening, and make sure to tune in next week when we'll be talking about the popular video game Animal Crossing. Oh, and I have a feeling you might want to stick around when the music's done. for the kids who stay stay till the end um so let's talk about food food porn friday is popping with all this amazing food so i think people who have checked it out must think like where does saja find all these crazy places to eat food at i know well now that i am 
living it up in a story of queens. Oop, dropping locations. Um, there's so much food over here. Um, and so I've been like the luckiest beast. My jeans are so tight. Um, and some of the food I make, can you imagine? Mm -hmm. You have lots of food opinion. What are some of your favorite foods? Okay, so we know that like my favorite, favorite food of all time is actually VV Basic, okay? It is, in fact, French fries. Um, but you have thoughts about this? No, I didn't have thoughts, <laughs> but you have thoughts. You're very oh, yeah. you're picky about your French I am, fries. I am particular. Um, bad fries, um, they exist in the world and they, they do anger me very much. A uh, perfect fry should be crispy on the outside but still soft and pillowy on the inside. Plenty of salt. Please, everyone salt your fries, okay? I understand that like sometimes we want to watch out for sodium and cholesterol, but I promise you... Salt on your potatoes is a good thing and you will be okay. Do you want to tell, do you want to alienate all of our Peruvian listeners by oh, talking about your yes. story about French fries Okay, so listen, Peru, you've got like, I don't even know, 4,000 plus variety of potatoes. What are you doing with your fries? I just want to talk about it. I just want to have a conversation about it because the opportunities are endless. And I feel like you've become obsessed with the um, papa amarillo, um, which is delicious. The yellow potato is, oh, scrum deliumptious as a potato. As a French fry, my dear, it is grainy. I'm eating fried sand, okay? You can't do it anymore. You need to stop. Or you don't need to, but I would, if I was going to foreign invade like most Americans do, because that's all we do, the first thing I would do is restrict anybody from making... French fries <laughs> with the yellow potato. Okay, just so that the, the <laughs> whole country doesn't come after you. That's Do fine. you want to talk about like some of the... You had a great time eating I ate. Okay, do not get me wrong. The best food I've had in my entire existence in my life was in Peru. The only thing that was lacking was the French fries. So what are some of the highlights of the good shit that you... Oh my God. Okay, well, Lomo Saltado obviously is one of the best dishes of all time. And um, having it in Peru with like perfectly cooked... Sti it's... Well, it's, it is a perfect dish in that it incorporates my favorite foods, which is steak and french fries. So like, hello, I'm so happy. Um, please give me more. Also, um, ceviche is fantastic. I've never had fresher, more delicious fish in my entire life. Give me all of your gelato. I don't know what Italians landed in Peru <laughs> because they fucked your shit up and your ice cream is just delicious. I, I mean, I could go on. Um... Oh, what's the chicken one? I'm about to forget how to, uh, to, how to call it. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, shout out to Isabel, who, who taught you how to make ají de gallina. Ají de gallina. Oh, my God. Which is like a, it's like kind a creamy, of chicken, chicken, creamy curry Yeah, type of it's thing. almost like a curry. Um, yeah, which is delicious. It's, it fucks my You know up. what I remember the other day? The one that, I don't remember what it was, but you've mentioned it plenty of times. When we went to the beach, uh -huh. uh, And they had this like it was not a it was like a ceviche but also it was, it was like fried ceviche fried ceviche and it was stuffed with something right remember that one okay. you don't remember it it was stuffed with something what are you, you gotta about? go back to your, oh I gotta look at my pictures you gotta look at your pictures I can't remember what it was I only remember that it was delicious and then you <sighs> it, I don't think it was ceviche it was something um, no but it wasn't a papa rellena no no it was something fish damn we also went to like the of course the eighth best restaurant in the world. 
according to some sources but yeah but we went to Maido Maido we had a great time there yeah so don't get me wrong Prue I love you please welcome me back in open arms we just need to talk about the rest 